Father, you, through your servants, have given us a glimpse of your face. That there will be a day when we see your glory without filter, without fog. We see your beauty and we know beyond anything we could imagine, even though we imagined a lot. Thank you for these glimpses on this earth of your glory, your power, your beauty. And I pray that that same presence would be with us now. Words won't impact us, Lord, but your presence will. I pray we would not lose sight of your face, that your spirit would be within each one of us, whispering, confirming, challenging if I go off. But Lord, that you would be glorified. Your very word would be spoken here this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin this morning with a very personal question. I believe it's one of the three most important questions that you will ever ask yourself. And asking this question will have a large part in determining whether you are living a fulfilling life, whether you're fulfilling God's destiny for you. I believe this question is as important if you are 8 years old or if you're 88 years old. If you've stopped asking this question, you could start asking this question. But I don't know that there's a more important question for us today. And let me make it clear that this is the least political sermon you will ever hear in your life. This is an entirely personal question between you and God, not about politics, not about background, not about your occupation. I just want you to ask this one question, bearing your soul before God. And the question is this. Does your life matter? Does your life, your life, does your life matter? Not just, oh, of course my life matters. Of course. I, no, I mean matters so much that if you don't live it with intention and purpose, if you don't fulfill what God has created you to fulfill, there will be great harm done on this earth. There will even be a loss in God's kingdom work on this earth. You see, I believe your life matters that much. Not just because of who you are, but because who God is within you. The promised Holy Spirit to equip, to empower, to inspire, to direct, to counsel. What God can do through you is more than you could imagine. And I also believe that God isn't passive, that he created you with a purpose. And I also believe there aren't enough of us who are living according to that purpose because Jesus told us so. He begged his disciples, pray for more workers. He says, there's not enough of us. The harvest is so big and the workers are so few, which means if you're not living your purpose, if you're not living as if your life matters, there aren't 10 people to come along and pick up the slack. It means if you live as if your life doesn't matter, nothing will be done. You're living a life of destiny. Do you believe your life matters that much? I do. And if you believe it as well, I want to present to you one of the biggest traps for people whose lives 
matter. We have to watch out for that. And the trap is this. You could have a good life. You can have a great life and lose it fighting a battle that's not yours to fight. I want to use the story of Josiah as an example. He was one of the last kings of Israel. Technically, he was king of Judah. But at this point in Israel's history, that, that Israel, as we had thought of it as the ten tribes, is sort of fractured apart. Ju Josiah is what's left of Judah. And Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, was one of the worst, most wicked kings in Israel's history. He was terrible. He led Israel to worship every god but the god, Yahweh. He set up shrines. He invited in false priests. And in fact, one of those gods that he encouraged worship of was one of the gods most odious to our true God, and that was the god of Molech. And the reason Molech was so offensive to God, God speaks his hatred of this worship throughout the Old Testament, is that Molech required you to sacrifice your children to appease this god. In fact, Manasseh sacrificed one of his own children to Molech. And then, think about this, in the Holy of Holies, God's temple, a consecrated place where God said he would meet with people, where people would be reunited with him, where they could understand the most holy of holy places on the earth at that time, Manasseh set up male cultic prostitutes inside God's temple. Imagine what that did to God. How offensive that was where it was supposed to be a holy place. And when God's servants would protest as they did, one of them was named Isaiah. You've all heard of Isaiah, right? We mention him a lot in the Old Testament, particularly around Christmas. Jewish tradition tells us that Manasseh had Isaiah killed by sawing him in two, not to multiply his ministry. Let me make it clear. It ended his life. And Manasseh eventually repented and God showed his mercy, but he did so much evil that his son came along shortly after that, just lived for a couple, reigned for a couple years after that, and he was as wicked as Manasseh had been before he repented. And then comes Josiah, one of the best kings Israel had ever had. He, he gets rid of the false priests. He cleans out that mess in the temple, reconsecrated, brings in the true priests of Yahweh, supports them. Everything is going so well. Josiah was as good as Manasseh was evil. It was incredible. In fact, here's how the Bible celebrates him. In 2 Kings 23, 25, neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength. His grandfather and father among the worst kings ever, Josiah among the very best, a hero in every sense of the word. But being a hero didn't save Josiah from a very bad and fatal decision. To explain what happened in Josiah's life, i got to tell you a little bit about the geography. Israel's place as sort of a land bridge 
connecting three continents. There's three different bodies of water around Israel. Shaped her history. We've got a map behind me. If you look up there in the center, what's left of Israel, you can see Jerusalem mentioned. Off to the west, you have Egypt. Off to the east, you have Babylon. In the northeast, you've got Assyria. So just look at that map. And those warring nations, you hear them all throughout the Old Testament, Assyria, Babylon, and Egypt, whenever they're at war with each other, if they want to get at each other, look at where they have to go. If Assyria wants to come down and attack Egypt, where does it have to go through? Israel. If Egypt wants to get into Babylon, where does it have to go? Through Israel, usually through the pass of Megiddo. Assyria's, Assyria's power had been weakening and so Pharaoh Necho of Egypt decided he wants to go and take on Babylon because they were starting an alliance with Assyria. And he decides he's going to march off. Josiah, we don't know why he did this. He shouldn't have done this. Josiah decides, you're not going through my land. He had his hands full setting Israel right. But for whatever reason, we don't know if he thought he would build an alliance with Assyria and Babylon. We don't know if he thought, hey, we're stronger now. You can't push us on. We, we don't know. But he just decides, in spite of repeated exhortations throughout the Old Testament, kings of Israel, don't get involved in international politics. You're set up to worship Yahweh. You're a light to the world. You don't have to worry about their battles. Josiah knew those scriptures. And yet he went out anyway. And it didn't go well. Here's what we read in 2 Chronicles 35, 20 through 22. After all this... When Josiah had set the temple in order. I mean, this is, this is huge. Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates. And Josiah marched out to meet him in battle. But Necho sent messengers to him saying, What quarrel is there, king of Judah, between you and me? It's not you I'm attacking at this time. But the house with which I'm at war. God has told me to hurry. So stop opposing God who is with me. Or he will destroy you. Not me. He will destroy you. We know, we're going to read this in a second, that Pharaoh was speaking God's will. God really had told Nico to say this. My battle's not with you. Josiah, just stay out of it. But he wouldn't turn away. He wouldn't listen. Here's what we read next. Josiah, however, would not turn away from him. But disguised himself to engage him in battle. He would not listen to what Nico had said. Would you please read the next three words with me? At God's command. But went to fight him on the plains of Megiddo. God had told Josiah, stay out of this. Now he'd given Josiah the general revelation. You're a king. Kings shouldn't get involved in international politics. He'd given him specific revelation through Pharaoh. Look. Josiah, God himself has told me, this is not your battle. Stay out of it. But Josiah, I'm going to fight this battle. And so I'm going to disguise myself and go into battle anyway. Can I just say something? We can't camouflage ourselves from God. When he's told us not to do something, you can wear any getup. You can cover up any tracks in the financial books. You can delete all the history in the internet. You can't camouflage yourself from God. That's what Josiah tried to do. And here's what happened. Archers of Egypt, when they pulled those arrows back, they didn't know 
They were aiming at the king of Judah. But when the arrows flew, that's who they hit. And Josiah, good man, died an early death, fighting a battle that wasn't his to fight. This is a little bit of an aside, but God has kept me awake as I've prayed, and so this isn't really the heart of the sermon. I just got to say it, because I think there might be some people here this morning that God has given you general revelation. You just know in Scripture, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I know this is not pleasing to God. And then God has given you specific revelation. He's quickened your conscience. Somebody has confronted you. He's somebody, I think, maybe even a dream where God says, don't keep going in this direction. You've got a good life. You've got a good ministry. Don't do this. And you think you can camouflage yourself from God. He is merciful. He is patient. But disobedience can have consequences. And for Josiah, it cost him his life. And here's what's so sad. When Josiah died at 39 years of age, his grandfather Manasseh, the, the really wicked one, ruled for 55. He didn't live. He, he lived much more. Than that. He ruled for 55 years. Josiah only lived for 39. He could have had decades of continuing the great revival in Israel, turning people to Yahweh. And what's even more sad Both of his sons that followed him were as wicked as their grandfather. They were as wicked as Josiah was good. All of Israel paid a price because a good man that God was using died fighting a battle that was never his to fight. In fact, here's what we read in 2 Chronicles 35, 25. After... Josiah died his early death. Jeremiah, very famous prophet, says, Jeremiah composed laments for Josiah. And to this day, all the male and female singers commemorate Josiah in the laments. These became a tradition in Israel and are written in the laments. And what's so sad about this is that he's the king that should have been celebrated in all of history. He did so well, but he lost it in the end with one stupid Battle. I just want to ask, when you look back on your life, do you want it to be a lament? Such promise, so close, almost got there, or a celebration. Two weeks ago, I got to see a video tribute to my mentor in seminary, J.I. Packer, and it was a celebration. He had fought the right battles. He avoided the wrong ones, and we were all saying he died five days before his 94th birthday, and it was all thanks to God and the glory of what had happened. That's how God wants you to live so that people celebrate your death, not lament at how it ended, even though you had done such a good work. So we come back to the theme that a good guy, a powerful guy, guy undeniably called by God, died fighting a battle that wasn't his to fight. So what about you? If your life matters, and I believe it does, are you wasting it fighting a battle that's not yours to fight i'm not talking about you being killed maybe your reputation will be killed maybe a relationship 
will come to an end. Maybe your time and energy and self-confidence will be destroyed. But are you getting involved in battles that aren't yours to fight? Think of the battle as a metaphor. Is this the best use of my time if I'm living a life that matters? A couple weeks ago, I was watching a college football game. And I always start games about an hour late because I hate commercials. And I figured it out, if I start an hour late and I fast forward through commercials, about at the end, last few minutes of the game, I'm caught up live. And that's just what I do. This game went to double overtime. As that glorious football team named after our Lord's mother told the Clemson Tigers, you're not the sheriff in town anymore. The ACC has changed and the luck of the Irish sent those Tigers back with their tail between their legs. But I caught up well before the end of the game, and I hate commercials. So I do something I almost never do. I'm opening up my phone, looking through Facebook scrolls. And I see one that somebody I know, the post just broke my heart. The reason was I'd gone out of my way to raise this person's platform. I'd broken one of my rules. I don't endorse books that aren't self-published. I get too many, and I actually read them if I endorse them. And so that's just one of the markers. If you don't have a publisher, I, just, I, I can't. But because I believed in this person's message and ministry, I, I'm going to break that rule. I, I want people to hear this. I think it's important. My wife and I had supported this person's ministry financially and probably would have again. And then when I wrote my own book, I, I purposely interviewed this person to quote them, to mention their self-published book, to do all I could to say, hey, here's somebody you ought to pay attention to. And yet what I saw being promoted by this person, I was just like, I, I can't believe it. And I don't get into public spat, so I private messaged. Do, do you know what this per you, person you're promoting, do you, do you know where they come from? Well, I, it's so insulting for me to say it. This is a bad example for me. Of course they did. It's, it's insulting their intelligence. We hadn't communicated in a little over a year. And can I just say again how I was just stupid? When you haven't communicated with somebody in a year, your first word should be hi, right? Your second word, how, how are things going? Not this question that comes off as arrogant and attacking and then it got all involved. I can't believe this is the way it introduced it. I go, yeah, I was a jerk. And, and yet here's still an issue. Are we going to still support this? I mean, all of this going on. So I was up late, even past the game, and in the morning trying to clean it up. And it was just a reminder to me, Gary, this isn't a battle. You're called to fight. God hasn't made you policemen of Facebook. And I lost the time. I lost the energy. I lost the focus. But here's where this helped me fight the right battle. Last year I spoke at a conference. It was a small conference here in Houston geared toward counselors. One of the guys that was there came up afterwards. And said, that, that was brilliant. That was wonderful. I want you to give that same talk at a conference we're doing in San Antonio word for word. Well, my wife likes San Antonio. He told me the other keynote speakers. There's a woman. I love her work. Love to spend time with her. The other guy he mentioned I'd never met, but was really impressed by his book. I thought, yeah, I'd like to meet him. I said, sure, I'd like to do that. Then COVID got it moved, and so they're looking at 2021. And then he called me, sent me another email through my assistant. Hey, we're kind of tweaking things, and here's the deal. We, we want you to actually talk to pastors about how they present this material to their churches and, and how they organize it within churches. 
I called him up and said, but we got an issue here. I go, I'm not a systems guy. I'm a content guy. I've, I've never been a senior pastor at my age. I don't foresee any road forward to ever becoming a senior pastor. And the day I start telling senior pastors to do a job I've never done, I go, I'm so far over my skis. What happens when you get too far over your skis? You crash and you break your leg. I said, look, you bring in a systems guy to do that. If you have to disinvite me, no offense at all, but, but that's not my battle. It's a good battle. But see, saying my life matters means your life matters, which means you can do many things better than I can do them, and I want to release you to fight those battles, but that's not my battle. So help me say, how do I maximize my life if my life matters before God, we all have limited time, energy, enthusiasm, and focus. So don't let even a good battle distract you from fighting your battle because your life, your individual life matters and make the most of it. So how do we know? What are my battles then? Let me set this up. I finished... Uh, a book by Truett Cathy recently. He was the founder of Chick-fil-A. And at the end of the book, his pastor, Dr. Charles Carter, mentioned being with Truett when he was first announced by Forbes magazine as making on the list of the Forbes 400 list. The 400 richest Americans. Now, Truett was embarrassed. His pastor said he'd far rather be known by where he came from than the success he obtained. But I was just curious... So I, I went online, I said, how much do you have to earn today to make it on Forbes 2020 list of the 400 wealthiest Americans? And the answer surprised me. I didn't know there were that many. You have to be worth over $2 billion. Over $2 billion. Now most of us, we don't know how much a billion is. You hear government talking billions. It is such a big number. It, we can't even wrap our minds around it. So I wanted to bring it home to help you understand what it means. Most of us can understand what a million dollars is, right? If you make 100000 a year, you work 10 years, you'll have amassed a million dollars. The government will have taken away about 400000 of it. But in general, you would have seen... A million dollars pass. If you make 50,000 a year, it'll take you 20 years. It's an accessible number. I'm not saying we have it. I'm saying we can imagine it. So take that accessible number, $1 million. What percent of 2 billion is 1 million? I did the math. Well, Google did the math for me. 0.05%. 1 million dollars is 0.05% of $2 billion. That's not one half of 1%. It's not one tenth of 1%. It is one twentieth of 1%, which means if you are worth $2 billion and you would like to make a $1 million to donation to Second Baptist this weekend, how much money would you have left over? $2 billion. One million's a rounding error. You, you wouldn't notice it. Now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. My hand is up. 
How many of you would notice if somebody gave you a million or took away a million? How many? You, you would notice that. It's not a rounding error for you, all right? Most of us in here, for those of us for whom $1 million is not a rounding error, we're probably never going to be on the list of the 400 wealthiest Americans, all right? We can put that aside. But here, here's the image. This is driving me. I get excited about this. I'm really thinking about it. I encourage you to think about it over the holidays. What 400 list do you want to die on? At the end of my life, when I look at the battles I've fought, if there's going to be a 400 list I'm on, what is that 400 list that I want to be on? Some might say, you know, Second Baptist has over 80,000 members. But you might say, but I want to be on the list of 400. When the leaders get together, yeah, we have tens of thousands, but these 400, they're there, they're supportive, we know they're praying, they're giving, they're there for the events. This is the 400. These are the ones who really push the church forward. Maybe you'll be on the list of 400 prayers. And God is saying, in all of the United States, there are millions of people that pray when they're scared, when they're broke, when they're sick. But we've got a company of 400. These are the prayers. Night and day, we know their voice. They're devoted to prayer. We hear their voice. They know my voice. This is incredible. This is the 400 prayers. Maybe 400 most devoted spouses. You could look at your business, 400 most active realtors. I, I don't know what battles God has called you to fight personally or vocationally. But think about if there's a list of 400, what list do you think you need to be on? Why, if your life matters, what does that life represent? Pick a few. Why? Those are the battles you should give yourself to. Those 400. There's a family, they're really funny. They do these YouTube videos. They're called the Holderness Family Videos. Holderness Family Videos. They did one called Marriage in Quarantine. It's really funny. It's about how life had changed in quarantine. And at the end, the husband puts down his remote control... He says to his wife who's in the kitchen, well, I finished. What, the, the last season of The Office? He goes, no, Netflix. I finished Netflix. And you think Netflix knows they've got over 100 million subscribers, but they're saying these 400, man, they watch more Netflix than anybody else. Do you want to be on that list? I think it'd be sad to be on that list. And that's why it's important to know your list because it tells you what you don't want to spend your time with. I have a goal every year because I believe Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My goal, I want to read 50 books a year. Now with COVID, I hit that last month. It was a little easier this year. But I can't hit that if I'm top 400 at Netflix. See, that's a battle. No, that, 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 that's not my battle. And because my life matters, I have the quirky battle. I, I want to be known as one of the top 400 students of the Christian classics. And I believe I am because I don't know that there are 399 others. It's seen as so archaic and bizarre. And even my editors keep taking out my good Christian classic quotes. But you know what? They've shaped me. If you've heard me talk, you've heard the Christian classics. I've just had to gussy up the language. They've moved me. I, for 40 years, I've been almost daily reading. That's a battle I want to fight. And choosing your battles not only tells you where you put your time, it tells you where you don't, which is why I know we have a lot of college students home. And, and I want you to get this. 
because it helps you learn where to say no. Let's say you're at UT or A&M or Baylor and you're getting invited to four parties a week. That's, yeah, I know, you're right. Baylor's a Christian school. They don't go to parties at Baylor. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Bears, I didn't mean... When you stay up late, it's missionary prayer meetings for India and drinking grape juice and eating unleavened bread. I'm sorry. I, but if you're UT and A&M, all right, and you're getting invited to four parties a week, at some point you've got to say, is my goal to graduate on the list of the 400 most active partiers at UT and A&M? Or do I want to live a more substantive life? Do I want to get something else out of this college experience than what everybody else seems to be doing? And it tells you not only what to do, but don't do. Because if you don't consciously think through, this is what my 400 list should be, you just fall into whatever somebody else offers you and tells you, come on, it'll be fun. This is what we got to do. And so I'm retiring from other lists. I'm retiring from being the Facebook police. If you post something stupid, it will break my heart, but I'm not going to fight you about it. I'm going to retire from good battles that aren't my battles because I believe not just my life matters, but your life matters, and God may equip you to do something much, much better and more efficiently than I can. Choose what you're willing to fight and then fight. Fight those battles and let the rest go. So spend some time. If you want this sermon to go further, what are the 400 lists that I want to die on? Those are your battles. You let the others go. And here's the image I've used to help me with it. I have two of these. One in my home office, identical to this. This is in my church office. It's an hourglass. And it's actually an hour. How do I know that? I timed it. I'm OCD, all right? I just, and everybody else, of course you did. If you're OCD like me, you say, yeah, of course. You don't want an hourglass that's an hour and two minutes. Or how, what a tragedy it would be to have an hourglass and it's actually only 57 minutes and 48 seconds. This is a legitimately time-tested hourglass. And every morning, after I'm done with my devotions and my prayer, my reading of the classics, I start what I call my three flips. It's my life, three flips a day. A couple years back, I was really wrestling with the Lord, and I felt like, okay, here's the time I've got, the resources. There's a certain kind of work where I'm going to have my best focus, my best energy, and I felt like God was saying, give me three flips a day. For you're worried about email and phone calls and counseling and administrative tasks and all the other stuff, just give me three flips. That's the battle I want you to fight. And so for three flips a day, I'm fighting the battle that I believe God has set aside for me. Now, you might be a four flip a day person. Maybe a five flip. Now, I can go past three flips if it's a great day and it opens up. I don't really flip it more than that because I feel like anything else is extra. But the key is that I don't want to do less than that. Because it is so easy in this life with so many opportunities to fight battles of no consequence or the wrong battles and to miss your destiny before God. Remember Josiah, a good man, 
good work, called by God, died fighting a battle that wasn't his. I believe your life matters. I believe God can use you. And there might be some battles he's prepared you and equipped you and called you to fight even today. You're off doing things. Why, why, why are you involved in that? Here's your battle. Get your 400 list. I can tell you where I got this if you need a few flips. But fight the battles that God has called you to fight because your life matters.